0: You are listening to the Designers Institute Student Council. I am Rose Norgrove and with me is Alistair Kincaid and we study at Media Design School. Today, our guests are Demelza Round, Nathan Walker and Anjali Salvadore. Should we start with what your sort of specialties are, your backgrounds? Nathan?
1: Yeah, I am a graphic designer and a web designer and also a web developer. I studied at AUT, did communication design and graduated a couple years ago, 2018 these days i'm working at cactus lab as a web design slash development firm in the city and we work with a bunch of clients sometimes we design apps sometimes we design websites and build them so yeah my specialties are mainly digital these days but i did do a bit of print back in the day still do sometimes not very well but yeah that's me
2: i recently <laughs> finished university in wellington at massey and i studied a bachelor of design majoring in photography so I guess I'm a photographer <laughs> but I don't really like to say that I'm a photographer because I think it's quite I don't think it really properly like encompasses what I like making but yeah I guess I'm a designer not really sure yet just nope. still like in the middle of figuring out you know what the next step is but, yeah that's me
3: I am a jack of all, master of none, so <laughs> I did a Bachelor of Fine Arts at Elam, where I majored in printmaking just before they got rid of the specializations, and I've always had a really big interest in, I guess, drawing and illustration, and drawing in its kind of complete form. I paid my way through university by printmaking and fashion design and doing, like, custom jobs for clients. Basically, using clothing as a vehicle for my printmaking, and went into teaching, randomly, and kind of haven't left because I don't know. For me, it's something that continues to throw up problems to solve. So I probably shouldn't have done a finance degree. I should have done industrial design because finance for me is far too about too much about the person as a singular and sort of saying some waffle or some sort of like visual philosophy whereas I really like to solve tangible problems but um it was still cool to go to Elam and you know get super fruity on it it did help (laughs) help to confirm the fact that I'm had no interest in pursuing fine arts but can still appreciate why people do it I guess and have kind of been in, in the space of education specifically design and making education through visual arts uh, technology and dbc or design and visual communication and have done my masters in that space as well cool cool yeah
4: uh, well i guess that leads us into our first point you know why you guys are all here your team of three what does project make such, down, such a good question <laughs> what do you
3: think Project Makers
4: well it's an online learning platform definitely uh, that's one part of it yep. co- collaborators <laughs> and uh, educators in our industry come together to sort of teach people
3: absolutely I think one part of it is the the web platform so it's like a repository for information it sort of serves to fill the gap in I guess the loss of connection between when you start your making journey through to when you are earning a living from making, sort of the disconnect between learning and then teaching and then tertiary and then practice. But also, I guess increasingly, it's more about the relationships between makers as they come together to create an output. So it's a little bit like the web platform and it's a little bit like platonic tinder for makers as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which could otherwise be described as a collective of makers, right? I think, you know, Alistair, you've done some work with us, Mm -hmm. some animation stuff, so we kind of draw on all of our connections, like Demaza has people in education and a bunch of creative fields like jewellery and things like that, Mm and knows a lot of people in the art scene. I'm a designer, so I can draw on those connections. And we basically just... Like hit up friends and see if they want to help us write this educational content, or if they just have cool stuff that they want
4: to do. Yeah, and they want to meet other people. Yeah. So yeah, it's also a cool way to like you know keep in touch with people in the industry. Like mm-hmm. you know we all finished high school a long time ago. We're still sort of kept in touch with the mouths since. Yeah. 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 I mean you, you
1: you have to keep up connections, otherwise they mm. sort of fade away. So yeah, that's what we're trying to do is kind of give people a Space to you know meet up and just do stuff that isn't like there's no real expectation
3: and and have an output as well rather than sort of like go to say a talk where somebody stands in front of you and talks at you and you go wow that's cool and then you all go your separate ways it's more like find something that connects people through their passion or their interest and then have some kind of output and then that output then takes its own life on when somebody else goes through the process of making. maybe gets in touch with what they've made or additions to those projects or you know the content at the moment does reflect as Nathan says like us hitting up people that we respect and already know and the the hope moving forward is that people find us and want to contribute and we have a better range of perspectives like
2: I was just thinking we kind of try to bridge the gap between like being a student being an educator being a practitioner because it is quite hard to transition from each of those things like you know you kind of leave uni having been a student and then suddenly you're expected to be this other thing and you're like oh i don't know if i'm quite ready for that so we kind of i think as a group are trying to bring people together Mm -hmm. to
4: get a step into the industry and whatnot yeah yeah yeah, exactly
2: like in like more of like a genuine way than it being like oh you know we're trying to network and stuff because that's not really what drew me to art and design like Mm. that really sterile kind of like business-minded networking thing thing. it's more of like genuine connections and like you meet someone you like i respect their craft or like the way they approach what they make so Mm -hmm. i want to keep make a connection with them so i think that's also a big part of what we're trying to do yeah
4: like, typically I feel like we're making connections with people not because we want to like profit and make money but because we know we can actually make something cool with them yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. like, how
0: do you think you take sort of like that sterileness out of the equation for those connections and stuff
2: I think the way that project mate kind of operates is quite we have a way that we approach our projects that is kind of like self-aware and fun <laughs> where we're trying to like you know we're not it's not a very like it's not corporal. capitalist yeah, well, it's not yeah. So we're not mm-hmm. in it yeah.
3: we're not in it to make money uh, we're not in it to do anything other than connect with people and try and make cool stuff and as we have already discovered make ha- half cooked stuff and be like Phew, that's all right we'll do better next time <laughs> um yeah. so we're kind of like playing the long game knowing that people are busy and that I think that one of the most interesting things that's come out of it from people who are amazing at their craft don't always know that they're amazing at their craft and during lockdown when we had people creating content that was really cool the amount of people that were like if I didn't have this to focus on then I would have gone a bit crazy and also getting people to do projects outside of their space so it brings up all these issues that are that we all or that most people struggle from like imposter syndrome or feelings of insecurity or feeling like if we talk about that clinical capitalist like I have to be I have to look amazing the whole time there's there's no space to be vulnerable or to show that you're learning that's kind of something that I'm finding really interesting from connecting with all these different people and getting them to step outside of their comfort zone and and try a project in a different field as well which has been quite cool
0: yeah imposter syndrome is definitely something i've heard pretty much every designer talk about have you all experienced that as well at some point or i'll
3: oh, fake it till we make it yeah man. Yeah, yeah Okay,
0: cool. <laughs> 100%. I wonder if uh, it's something that will ever sort of fade. At what point in your career does that go away? Or if it's just
3: yeah. I think it's a personality thing as well because I've worked with people that just it depends on if you hinge your efficacy on how people view you. If you give zero mm-hmm. about what people think of you, then you don't feel like an imposter because you're just playing, you're beating your own drum. But <laughs> most people, and especially working in an industry where generally you're making for a client, so it has to, you know, be damaged. damaged. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is a small community and they're, you know, it's a bit appreciative. Yeah,
0: like it feels
4: like there's no right or wrong answer when you guys sort of gave me a brief, like with that um, isolation thing we did during lockdown. Yeah, there, there was a lot of free range to do everything and I wanted to do something down like the motion track mm-hmm. and it was quite experimental for me, like sort of messing around with flip books and uh, photo bursts and whatnot. And I, and I don't know if I was super proud of it at the end, but like you guys are okay with that, you know, and then like I can continue developing on that in the future, you know, pick up I right left, I think. thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I think such a big part of like making is making cool stuff but also making stuff that you're like wow that should have never happened (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like it helps to just not be so serious about it and just be like oh i made this like funny little drawing and like Mm. this is all it is and i'm not going to show anyone and i kind of hate it but at least i did it because other you know not everything you make has to be this beautifully resolved piece because that's kind of like boring it also stops you starting and that's something uh,
3: that Nathan you might want to expand on is that the terror of getting things wrong when you're used to having a, a pretty solid aesthetic or output or whatever
1: yeah like I think especially in the design industry there can be a lot of pressure to do good work or at least release good work which is fine that sort of raises the level of work in the industry in general I think but it does mean that When you know that there's a small community and that everyone is sort of watching, it means that when you are not happy with something that you've designed, it can be like quite hard to sort of reconcile with that, just personally. With Project Mate, we don't have a specific aesthetic or anything that we try and force onto anyone who's contributing or anything. There's no guidelines about the kind of stuff that you have to produce, it's just... You bring whatever you have to the table, mm-hmm. and then that's mm-hmm. cool.
4: And you don't strictly have to be a designer. Like I think, Demauser, you had a colleague of yours who teaches in a different area, but you know she managed to contribute to your platform.
3: Yeah, that that's a really interesting one. So I have a one of our collaborators, Nadine Papaliti, is a maths and she studied engineering. She's a maths teacher, and I stole her for product design. And she during lockdown did Angelie's self portrait project, which was. Anjali wrote kind of in response to what she was doing at Massey looking at identity and and how to capture that and Nadine is like one of these amazing creatives who doesn't realize they're creative because the c word's been used incorrectly um so she's tremendously creative but assumes that you have to be sort of like hippy dippy and you know painting with your face to be creative or whatever and so she with quite an old phone having zero photography experience ran through the project and tried to use instagram as her platform to sort of document the process of learning because she knew that that's what so our the the school that i teach at doesn't have great access to devices or the internet and so she knew that if the kids had devices it would be through Instagram would be the best way to try and capture some data. So she's like, well, I'll I'll give this a hone and I'll also try and practice using Instagram sort of as a way of capturing evidence of learning. And she was so like challenged by it and moved by it. She's a year 10 dean, so she looks after the year 10s at our school. And when we got back from lockdown, you know, a lot of kids did it tough over that time and she wanted to focus on using creativity to sort of build their wellbeing. And basically all of the year nines and tens in our school are going through a version of that project. So it's been rewritten to suit them and the places that they're from and that kind of thing. But looking at who who you are and what that means and then how you capture that so it was really and that's so who Junior has captured as a blog which is i think quite a cool aspect of the platform because it's not just about like here's the learning go through like you know like linda like learn how to do x y and z there's also that space for when collaborators are making the resources it's like what were they thinking and feeling and how many things did they ruin along the way and you know, what were they challenged by? So there's that other dimension of, I guess, learning how to learn as well, rather than it just being like, here's a project on t-shirt design and then you go through it by yourself and that's the end of it.
4: Mm, like important having that sort of like identity research and you know, like learning who you are as a designer, or, you know, as a person doing these kind of creative projects, you know.
3: Yeah, and and how cognitively how we solve problems and how we navigate our own personalities along the way and our own resources or lack of resources.
1: I think yeah. we're like trying to, Expand the definition of who is considered a designer yeah. as well. DeMalza works with a lot of students who, like, for them, design is not something that they even know is a possibility as a career or as an industry. And so when we write these projects, And then they can be used in places where they have an actual impact on people. That's, Mm -hmm. like, really important to us. And it's something that we're trying to focus more on. Yeah. As we go forward, the projects that we write, we want to make them
4: more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think self-portrait was really interesting, the way that people were, you know, asked to take a photo of themselves. Because it's not something you often do unless it's in sort of a selfie situation, which is, like, very different to being asked to sort of reflect on. And I know, I
3: absolutely and that's why Nadine yeah. found it so challenging because she's yeah. actually she's an incredible person who fits that classic stereotype of being super humble so like runs away from the camera and she's felt it absolutely confronting yeah, exactly. yeah. to plan and be proud of having her mug in a in a shot Mm. um and then the idea of like oh no i've only got this crappy little phone and i don't have a tripod and how the hell am i gonna even make it take a photo (laughs) which i thought was pretty cool and at the moment i mean It's interesting because you get a little bit of, there's been a, a little bit of tittering in the educational community about like, well, why aren't the projects directly linked to say a certain subject area or an achievement standard or whatever. But our general thinking is we want people who are interesting and interested to connect about something that they genuinely care about or are interested in or passionate about. And then however that looks, that body of learning is authentic to those people And then if people want to run that in a school, then that's where the expertise of a few of us come in and go, okay, well, we'll rewrite that so that it hits all those things so that you can still pass those standards. But for me, it seems insane to cockle the creative process with a bunch of arbitrary achievement standards when the curriculum's being redesigned in like a year, dot, dot, dot COVID-19, I think a year or so anyway, that should be about what people are actually doing as opposed to some arbitrary curriculum. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah how did you find it like different during lockdown like the projects that came out around then like how was that the experience adjusting to it designing for that?
2: I found that we had this time where we could kind of do some bootleg stuff that we wouldn't usually like yeah. you know <laughs> using materials that you have in your house yeah. and only being be, like being able to do certain things because of the environment so it kind of made us all slow down and think like, okay, what can I do that is just the hell of it rather than doing something like it didn't particularly have to be meaningful it was kind of yeah. just like a way to get through yeah yeah and a little bit MacGyver-y yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. which
3: was fun um and also that uh, art in isolation thing that you know you did a part of as well but I know when Mia Straka did her section she did like a whole series of things that never even made it because it would just got weird and horrible and but she documented it and it was quite amusing because she was just like oh no Like, what am I up to? Because, you know, when you are a maker and you have a workshop and then suddenly you don't have access to your workshop, it kind of changes how you go about thinking and creating and and doing things. And to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure it was lockdown that got the website live. I don't think (laughs) we would have, we'd probably still be sitting on Cactus Labs.
1: Yeah yeah. So I guess the thing I didn't mention at the start was that the website has been almost entirely built by me over about three years because it started as my grad project at uni. And so I did like this bootleggy thing for my final project. And then after I graduated, it quickly became obvious that the website was not going to suit our needs because it was like you had to like manually type in all the like content there was no back-end functionality for Demelza or Angelina to do any editing like it all had to do had to be manual html and it was just a nightmare so cactus lab took on the project to finish it so we like completely redesigned the site and then I rebuilt it but yeah it's taken it's taken a long time to get to where we are but <laughs> like, yes during lockdown
4: finally got it live that was a great thing about lockdown we managed to, like tick lots of boxes and finish things, um, yeah. and you know, we're in a very digital space. What other spaces can Project Make exist in, like workshops that you have coming up soon? or actually being able to collaborate um, face-to-face now that we are in level one? Level,
0: level zero?
4: Level zero, <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah, what are we in? I don't
0: know.
3: Well, we have a workshop coming up where the idea is that anybody who, quite a few people have kind of got in touch with some sign of interest But it's sort of like an open casting call really to anybody who's interested. And we're going to figure out sort of who's in the room, what their expertise and interests are, and then figure out hopefully in the next sort of 12 months worth of projects. And the idea is that there will be projects that will involve face-to-face collaboration as well as potential workshops for technical skills or whatever, depending on, I guess, what people tell us they want. And the idea of the monthly making jam, which you yourself did the motion graphics for. Yeah, we're to make a source um, project. You know, or... but, uh, yeah, but again, like, good. sort of like everything we do is slowly and surely wins the race um, because <laughs> we all have other jobs and things. It's more about slowly moving in the right direction rather than a whole lot of flashes in the pan. The last thing I want to do is make all these great connections with people and then sort of have to tap out. I'd rather move slowly with the right people and slowly gain traction than promise a whole lot of things and then not be able to deliver them. Hmm. Um, But the, the idea is that in future that there is way more physical interaction as well because it's not supposed to just be like a Click on the project situation.
4: Yeah,
3: that's just a place for it to all live. I guess that's its repository, mm.
4: right? You guys being the three Musketeers, you like refer to yourself as Dan, you know, Demauza, Angelie, <laughs> and Nathan. Week. As of last week. <laughs> um, so, was it been like kind of operating together? You know, it's a interesting group that you got going on. Like age differences and whatnot. Or
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Demelza collected us. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, how did you guys all meet? Mm-hmm. Well, Nathan and I were at school together. Right. The they were year. such good friends at school. We were, Besties. They used to walk. The, the iconic hall, best friends at hands. school. Yeah. We're just, you know, jury very, jury very close. Books. <laughs> I don't know if we
3: did
1: once. <laughs> no, we did once, but Oh once. Yeah. Okay. And that
2: was just nice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Demelza was my design teacher and was she...
1: She was a mentor for an essay I wrote. And then after we graduated, we like could never escape, basically.
2: <laughs> there was that time you
3: tried to ghost me, but uh, then yeah. I just threatened to tell your mum. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Demelza and I have like worked together on like educational resources, basically, at various schools where she's taught over the years and often it's tight deadlines very low budgets that kind of thing but you know it's it's important work but it can be very stressful on on <laughs> students and full-time employees like employees. me so yeah over the years we've done all kinds of stuff together and now we're sort of finally starting to like formalize it like each other we right?
2: <laughs> right. have a tenuous working relationship it's all right <laughs> it's a funny dynamic it, it it's yeah it keeps things like interesting because we're all quite, in many ways, like really different people, but in so many ways, really similar. So yeah, we I all have our little role that we play and like-
4: That could reflect sort of um, project make, you know, when lots of different people can come together, but you all kind of have the similar goals, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, creating lots right, stuff.
0: Pretty much. Yeah.
4: Sweet. Well, are there any other um, memorable stories from working together, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know, there's been like various. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Look, what you need How to understand have is <laughs> that sometimes I can get us into very strange situations, okay? And it's not intentional. I'm a victim of the universe. And sometimes, you know, and I'm not afraid to hustle as well, meaning that if it means jumping on a plane to go and talk to someone because I want to collaborate with them, I will. And sometimes that means dragging Nathan with me and then leaving my laptop and wallet in the airport as we fly out. I realize that I've left all my stuff there and that uh, Nathan is going to have to basically look after me yep. for the entire time we are there, which Just is, bank you Bankroll know, the trip. Basically. Yeah, bankroll the trip. <laughs> And Nathan often refers to me as the little sister he wish he never had. <laughs> which I think is probably quite accurate.
1: Yeah, like we do like weird little field trips, to places if we want to meet people. Like that particular trip was down to Nelson to go see the centre for fine woodworking, uh, which is like up in the hills of Nelson, and, like, the taxi driver didn't even know where we were going. We got lost. Um,
3: yeah, we landed in a, like, crazy in. flood, and it was, like, jet black, and I had picked what was, like, the Bates Motel of all motels. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are like, checking in, and I didn't have my ID or my wallet and then sort of like nathan had to pay for the hotel it was terrible but you know it's just very on brand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> forget your wallet <laughs> which i did to Angelou
2: like yesterday the day before yeah so it's please. all good we all we have fun don't we <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're committed to the cause you
0: know exactly yeah.
1: above and beyond but like we got connections out of that trip exactly
0: so. medical
4: taxi driver Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Ronnie. Exactly. And and
3: got to do some work with Tangaroa with Louise from Centre for and Woodworking, and she's amazing. Basically, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I will always ask, but it's not until retrospectively that I realize that maybe that was a weird thing to ask, or that most people don't just ask those types of things. I tend to see the trouble that I've caused after it's happened but I will never see it while it's happening. And because Nathan is very obliging, he will just like, look at the floor and not stop me, which is how we end up in in weird situations.
1: Yeah. It's the the rich
4: tapestry of life, right? The rich
3: tapestry of life. Exactly.
4: You've mentioned before, like you're having this catch up, this workshop soon. We're going to meet new collaborators and kind of like plan, you know, what the foreseeable future will bring. But mm. can you kind of speculate what is the future of Project Make beyond that or, you know, your guys' goals and aspirations for it?
3: Angelie will be able to sum this <laughs> up the best, I think, <laughs> because you have the clearest vision in terms of like what what you're passionate about, which is really what we're passionate about. Yeah. But you say it the best.
2: I have always been quite passionate about inclusivity and making everyone feel like they have value and like something to bring to the table. So that's something that project makers trying to focus on. And through a lot of our projects, we do kind of, you know, talk about those things, but I, yeah, I just think I want to give people the opportunity to use their voice, especially if they feel like they haven't been able to, or they've ever felt like, yeah, marginalized and felt like the art and design scene hasn't been for them and kind of make people know that like, you know, we all have something important to say and like we all have the right to say it so i guess Mm. and that making means
3: so many different things to so many people and there's so many forms of indigenous knowledge that should be promoted and understood and seen just even just visible i think Mm. and working at a school that is sort of 85 percent pacifica and really struggling to find decent resources for me it's like finding people that are willing to share and that's where it is not just like put it online and get people to follow it it's sharing with each other to create our own sort of new set of knowledge and perspectives rather than sort of Feeling. I know there's a lot of people that are really interested in Te Aumari, but they don't feel like they have the right to access that information because they feel like an outsider. But if you, for example, for this workshop coming up, there are a couple of pretty amazing humans that are coming that occupy the Te Aumari space and who want to bring what they have to the table, but not like not as a package that you sort of go, and oh, no, I'm going to do the Māori unit. It's like, how can that understanding of design, what does that understanding of design look like next to for a Tongan understanding of design and making next to a Eurocentric, like, because they are very different. Mm-hmm. And even the word like craft or ringarehi or like craftspersonship, it means quite different things to different cultures and ethnicities. And so I guess I'm excited about crafting a rich making tapestry <laughs> of life. <laughs> Anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about before about expanding like who is allowed to be a designer or who, who is listened to in conversations about design, like with this workshop, we're sort of trying to get people from a pretty wide variety of walks of life to mm. come along. And obviously it, this is just the beginning. Like this workshop is just the first mm-hmm. step towards that. Like we have a lot of work to do in terms of you know, Everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But
2: I, well, I that. think that's the most important thing is that we are all so like willing and open to learn and to like do better and be able to have people say like hey what about me and you know for us to wrap around them and be like yes okay how can we mm. make you feel more empowered as an artist and a designer and for it never to come across tokeny at all and for it to be like a genuine connection and for people to actually feel like they're part of something. And, and that's the same in terms of the content that goes up when someone goes
3: oh like That language was inaccessible, or have you thought about putting it into another language and how does that translate? Or I need there to be more videos, and it's like that's really welcome feedback because you know you don't know until someone tells you. And the idea that you could do a project and be like, man, there was a big section of the history of La da that should have been there, and be like, yeah, cool, find us the information, we will pay you for your contribution, and we will update that project. And I guess that's where that difference between having a a capitalist mindset because That is not being efficient and that is not how you make money but it is how you grow in an authentic and kind of meaningful way using you know the voice of a community rather than the voice of one or two people and i guess that's why when you know when you mentioned that there was a pretty open-ended brief knowing what i know about how people learn i didn't want to specify things until i had some content to actually look at and evaluate because it's just my perspective you know, and until you have some content to be like, oh, that's not <laughs> great, um, then, then you can change from there.
1: Yeah, like we're definitely learning as we go, like what the best way to approach writing projects from like all aspects of the process is, how we approach people, what we ask them to do, how we work with them throughout that process and support them, because yeah. the term collaborator means that we collaborate, we don't just like dump the project on someone and they write it for us, but we also want people to bring all of their knowledge to it and feel like they can write the project the the way that they want to. Mm. So yeah, and the website is sort of evolving as we go as well. One, like, there's not a feature; it's a I don't know what you call it, an oh, initiative. Nice. Yeah, I guess that we're thinking about launching soon is uh, like a mentorship section. So. At the moment, like the collaborator model works for people who want to write projects. But we also think if we have this big collective of cool people, then it would be great for those cool people to help people who don't have access to them normally. So what we're going to try and do is have a mentorship program where students or just any practitioner basically who feels like they don't have access to a certain person and wants to learn more can basically have a mentor from our network and we're sort of working on how that looks because i don't think necessarily you just want to have like a form on the website where people can sign up because if the people that are actually in need of mentorship are the least likely to reach out for it usually or even know that it exists. So we're working on ways that we can sort of make it available and like push it more. But yeah, I mean, that sort of rose out of my personal reflections upon the state of the industry and who's part of it. And, you know, my role in sort of supporting certain ways of doing that are not particularly inclusive and how I can be better and use, you know, like the platform and the privileges that I have to make it different yeah, that's one thing that we've got in the pipeline. I guess you could call that part of the future of project, mate.
3: Yeah. And I think the other really exciting part, because I obviously I am a, a big advocate for vertical relationships rather than horizontal relationships. And that means that I don't care if somebody is 15, 17 or 65, if they've got something to contribute, they've got something to contribute. And I like the idea of People who are quote unquote established being like ah but I could actually really use some mentorship in academic writing because I kind of suck at that so you can be a mentor and a mentee and you might even have someone who is your mentor who is older than uh, like younger than you rather than that idea that it's the older aged master of all who picks up the doe-eyed you know newbie because there are a lot of things that the The young person can teach the old person, even using the Twitter bleeping. Hey, guys. The Instagrammygram that I'm not allowed to touch. Hey.
1: (laughs) Change the password every week.
0: (laughs) What does the airplane do? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think there's like a lack of access to design in a lot of high schools, like a lot of low-design high schools. So that's probably like a really good opportunity for some of those students to... Yeah, and,
3: um, you know, we we are still in a teaching crisis meaning that a lot of teachers get biffed Mm. into areas that aren't even their specialisms and if you're in a rural school you can't go to the high school down the road and go oh can you help me out with this and that and kind of that's where project actually started from because I used to have to go into a lot of schools and I guess just help people out and I was thinking that there would be a far more sensible way of you know having a repository would make more sense yeah
1: Yeah. because I think like one of the the problems with just like going into a a high school for like a day and teaching some kids some stuff and then leaving and then seeing them again is that like, yeah, that's probably not going to carry through very far or have much of an impact. Like it might inspire like one kid, which, you know, is great, but we're trying to create like more lasting relationships and also not have it be like the industry person comes in and tells the teacher what to do and doesn't necessarily understand the needs of the teachers or like how it works in a school, that kind of thing. Like it's pretty and important to us. really
2: hierarchical in itself and that's exactly what we don't want. We don't want to be like, oh, we're these educated designers and we're going to tell you what to do. Like that's completely not what we want. It's more back and forth helping each other.
1: Yeah, it's like when the client tells you how to design the logo but you already know how to design the logo and that's why you're a designer. You just need like some guidelines basically. So yeah we're trying to that's the
4: the gap i guess
1: really that we're trying to bridge or one of them anyway
4: Mm -hmm. cool i think we'll wrap up there i'd like to thank dan for coming along and uh having a chat with us today so thanks for listening to the design institute student council podcast keep an eye out for the next episode we would love for you to share on facebook twitter and instagram where you can tag the design institute of nz If you're feeling really generous, you can give us a rating on iTunes. It would really help with getting the podcast out to new listeners. Cheers.